Welcome to our podcast, Murder, Mystery, and Mayhem, Laced with Morality, where all authors and experts are invited to share, learn, and together make this a better world where light pierces through the darkness with the spoken and written word. I'm excited for our guest today. I had the honor of meeting Edie at a writer's conference. I was so moved by her personal testimony regarding how she became the writer that she is today. Find Your Voice, Live Your Story is the foundation of Edie Melson's message. No matter if she's writing for fiction readers, parents, or writers, as an author, blogger, and speaker, she's encouraged and challenged audiences across the country and around the world. Her numerous books reflect her passion to help others develop the strength of their God-given gifts and apply them to their lives. She's a leading professional within the publishing industry and travels to numerous conferences as a very popular keynote writing instructor and mentor. Her blog for writers, The Right Conversation, reaches thousands each month and is a Writer's Digest Top 101 website for writers. She is a director and I want to just let you know, she did not, she did not name this conference, she inherited the name, but she is the director of the Blue Ridge Mountain Christian Writers Conference. I, I dare you to say that 10 times without pausing. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she also works with the Mountainside Marketing Conference and SoCare, and she's on the board of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association. In addition to, in addition to this, she is also the author of Soul Care When You're, when you're Weary, Maiden of Iron, Alone, While My Child is Away. I needed that book. While my soldier served, I needed that book too. Connection, social media, and blogging techniques for writers and fighting fear, winning the war at home when your soldier leaves for battle. Oh my goodness. So please welcome Edie. I am so excited <laughs> to be here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, and if I, I, you know what? I forgot to mention people. She is married and she's been married for 40 years to her lovely groom she's raised three sons and she lives in south carolina <laughs> okay so can you tell us what your genre is and, and and audience please listen up because some of you have had questions about can i write in two different genres so this is important <laughs> well my fiction genre is speculative which is basically science fiction fantasy that's anything supernatural so okay. that is my fiction genre. But I also write, actually the bulk of my books are in the Christian living and devotional category of nonfiction. So I'm one of those writers who writes a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you do it well. So what led you to write in the genres that you write in? Well, growing up, my first, one of my earliest memories is sitting on my daddy's lap watching the original TV show, Star Trek. Oh, wow. so, <laughs> so for me, science fiction had connotations of sitting on daddy's lap. So I've oh. always loved science fiction and I love science fiction and fantasy and the ability that it gives us as authors to present biblical truth in mm -hmm. ways that aren't invasive or uh, preachy. So okay. I love, love, love that. Mm -hmm. But I also 
I, I am a writer to the very core. Some people become writers. My mother said I could, I've could. i been a writer ever since I could crawl to a white wall with a red crayon. <laughs> but I process life through words by writing okay. things down. I journal. And so what I found is the lessons that God has taught me mm-hmm. have naturally become a sharing of what I'm learning and the process, and they've become books. Okay, wow. Mm. Now you've been invited to our expert series based on your incredible leadership within the the Christian writing community. Most notably your role in the Blue Ridge Mountain uh, Christian Writers Conference, and it demonstrates your extraordinary accomplishments. What steps led you to take um, take on this huge responsibility? Well, this was actually the second conference I ever attended as a brand new writer. Mm -hmm. And it was the first conference where I sold something. I actually sold an article to focus on the family over breakfast one day there. And so I got my start. I attended the conference for 10 years as an attendee. Mm -hmm. And then I thought I came up with some ideas on ways that the conference could possibly be improved um there was no social media or anything except the conference there wasn't even really an email list Hmm. so uh yvonne layman had just turned she's the one who started the conference and she has since passed away and she had turned the conference over to alton gansky right And so I approached Dr. Gansky and I asked him about these different things. And he said, well, that all sounds really good, but I don't have time to do it. And I said, well, let me help you. So Mm -hmm. I began volunteering at the conference, doing these things for for the conference attendees. We started a first timers email loop and Mm -hmm. um, a Facebook group and all kinds of things. And he was, he was thrilled. So he brought me on as his assistant and then mm-hmm. assistant director, then co-director. And then when he retired, he turned the reins over to me and I directed it one year by myself. And then <laughs> I brought, then I brought Diane Mills on mm-hmm. as my assistant and co-director and okay. Diane resigned this past year. Mm-hmm. And so we had just brought on Edwina Perkins. So mm-hmm. now Edwina is my assistant director and co-director. Mm-mm-mm. And so I just, I just love that you, you talked about the fact that you sat under, you know, the leadership, you know, you didn't try to just jump right in. And then after observing, you tried to come alongside and, and help and, and you spent a lot of time volunteering. And that's an important, it's really important for, um, our audience to understand and listen to that, that it's service is, is, is truly, your servant's heart is truly a huge part of becoming successful. Because when you, when you sit there and you are humble and you're donating your time and you're learning while working, um, it really helps to mold you into a better leader. 
It really does. And it reminds you of the hardships Mm -hmm. that people go through to try to get to this conference and the things that we can do to provide a year round learning environment Mm -hmm. to help writers grow year round, because not everybody can come to this conference every year. And truthfully, there are people who need to go to another conference for a year or two. And we're Mm -hmm. fine with that. There are a lot of good options out there. That's right. Yeah. Oh, uh, I, I've taken a, a couple of your classes, especially the ones when you've done, you've worked with Diane Mills, and I learned a lot. Now. So <laughs> following that, I'd like you to share some advice on our, on, you know, building author platform. It's a huge buzzword platform. It is a huge mm-hmm. buzzword, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about it, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, A lot of people look at building a platform from an unintentionally selfish way of looking at it. They look at it at what am I going to get out of this? How is the time I'm spending on social media going to benefit me? Mm -hmm. But the fact is you can't outgive God. And so I look at my social media and my quote unquote platform building as an extension of the writing ministry that God has given me. Mm -hmm. Because on those platforms, I am writing. Mm -hmm. And so I can reach people through social media, through email, through all of these different ways, through blogging, Mm -hmm. who may never read my book. They may never come into a church. They may never have a face-to-face encounter with me but God can use my words to impact them. So I, the first thing that, that I teach and that Diane and I taught is the fact that social media and platform building is not about me. It right. is about serving our audience mm-hmm. and bringing them value. And when mm. you pour into a community and, and you give them value and you, you freely and honestly try to help them be better, then when you have something you need, like you're launching a book or something's mm-hmm. going on, they are already ready and looking for a way to help you to pay back what you have done. Wow. And a lot of times we look at social media, we go into it saying, give me this, show me this, pay for this, buy this, do this Mm -hmm. instead of giving first. Yes. Yeah. And you can actually create the reverse reaction. (laughs) Now, are there any words of encouragement you can offer to the author struggling with rejection, disappointment and isolation? Absolutely. I think, I think one of the things that, that I learned early on in my career is what I think of as a roadblock is actually a shortcut to the success God has for me. Mm-hmm. My very first book that I tried to get published was a Bible study. Okay. And it went all the way to the top at a big name publisher. Mm-hmm. And at the very last minute, on December 23rd, I got a letter (laughs) stating that my platform was not big enough for them to invest in me. And so that was, that felt like, I mean, it was a huge rejection and I was devastated. So I took a week to whine and complain and cry and, you know, 
Yeah. Why me? All of that. And then I realized I had two choices. I could stay right there and stop. Mm-hmm. Or I could figure out how God wanted to use this. And basically, he used it to instill a passion in me to figure out what platform was, yeah. how, to, how to help others overcome that obstacle so mm-hmm. that didn't happen to them. Wow. Mm. So it was really what pushed me into the path that has been my success. Wow. So, so that so that's really interesting because then you took that you took that rejection and turned it around. And see, see and that's important for, for people to hear because some so many of them give up, they they stop writing, they, you know, stop pursuing a God-given dream that they had instead of pushing through and and listening and if someone's saying something over and over again that we have to we have to pay attention to it and listen absolutely and another part of rejections is is i worked for years as a freelance writer which is writing articles and and blurbs for newsletters and all sorts of stuff but it's Mm -hmm. small things and when i first started i would send out all of these queries all these inquiries trying to get somebody to accept an article and I just kept getting overloaded by rejections and it was very disheartening Mm -hmm. and so I turned it upside down and I realized that approximately for every 10 rejections I got I got one acceptance Mm. and so I turned it around and my monthly goal for Mm -hmm. writing for for several years became uh, became I wanted a minimum of 40 rejections every month because I knew that would guarantee me four to five acceptances. Oh, what a good way of looking at things. I, <laughs> I need to add that to my attitude. <laughs> wow. So, so now most writers, they're self-employed or they have other jobs besides writing. In fact, that's usually the case. And this creates a demand for organization and scheduling. Can you share your method to keep organized and scheduled? Well, one of the things I do is is I am extremely ADD. I mean, I'm I'm I am medically diagnosed as having <laughs> attention deficit disorder, oh. and so focus is hard for me, and I'm easily bored. <laughs> so I don't sit down when I have a day to write. I don't sit down and say, I'm going to write all day. Mm -hmm. Because what happens is I have breakfast and I realize, oh, the dishwasher needs unloading. Well, I have the rest of the day. I'll just do this one thing. And then I get up at lunch and and I go, oh, yeah, I need to start laundry. Well, I can do that because I have all day. What I end up doing is frittering away the day and doing very little writing. So I've learned that for me, it's better to schedule two and three hour blocks of time. Mm -hmm. Then if I want to add to that, I have already met my goal, Mm -hmm. but I'm much more productive. I also think it's very important, particularly when writers are starting to Mm -hmm. write on a schedule. Now, I think the old adage that write, real writers write every day mm-hmm. has done way more harm than good because uh-huh. truthfully especially if you have a career and mm-hmm. I work with a lot of professionals I've worked with doctors and lawyers and teachers and people who have to be on the job daily right. yeah and they mm-hmm. can't write every day 
-hmm. It is not physically possible, but they can write on a schedule. They may get up extra early two or three mornings a week, or they may decide to go to a special place, uh, a library, a a cabin, a coffee shop, and spend four hours writing on Saturday and four hours writing on Sunday. But if we make those those meetings with Mm -hmm. ourselves, with our writing a priority, Mm -hmm. then we learn how to get in the habit of making it important. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's so good because I remember I had, um, I had a doctor who really wanted to contribute to these journals and all, but they, they were super smart, but couldn't get the writing together. And I worked with her when she was on call in the hospital and when she would have a, she'd go into the break room as long as no, she would, she didn't have an emergency. She would block out the day she was, she was on call and we would work together on her journal articles. And that's how she got that done. So, I mean, goodness, if a, if a busy doctor delivering babies can write, I guess, you know, it kind of gives us hope. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> and I always tell writers, don't disparage the five and 10 minutes of time that you may have. I started writing when my kids were little. I was doing carpool and PTA and all of that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is I would figure out different things that had to be done on whatever manuscript I was working on. Mm -hmm. Maybe I needed to do a bit of research on this or I needed to recraft this page or something. So I would find things that would take five, 10, 30 minutes of time And I would set those aside and those would be in my list of things that I could do when I had those short moments of time. Mm -hmm. Well, that's smart. Yeah, very, that's very good. Uh, Because you have writers in all walks of life, all stages of life. And so those are all really good tips. Um, As you know, our podcast, you know, it's it's titled Murder, Mystery and Mayhem, (laughs) (laughs) but it's laced with morality. And so um, it's, for me, in writing in that genre, even though it's exciting and I I really love it, I love watching and reading, um, you know, shows and books that uh, have to do with these topics, but it can be really dark and you can be left feeling hopeless. How do you turn that around, um, Edie, in your writing? How do you lace your writing and speaking with morality? Well, I think the first thing is, 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 I am always trying to leave the reader with hope Mm -hmm. Um, and with a hope that is is something you can hold on to. So that would be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not just, gee, things might work out right, Pollyanna optimism. Mm -hmm. I mean, an actual hope of even though the world is falling apart, there's still a thread we can hold on to. And one of the ways I do that is I, I dig deep and mm-hmm. I mine my own life. Mm-hmm. I look back at what God has done in the dark times in my life. Yes. And when I dig through those dark times, I often find parts of my life that have become very precious mm-hmm. because of what God has done. Yes. Okay. Wow. And so I think we can hide those dark jewels Mm -hmm. 
in our writing, whether mm-hmm. we're it, particularly in fiction, our characters mm-hmm. can discover that, our characters can can find foundational hope. And by hope, I don't mean in the, the Christian industry has such a bad reputation of presenting things unrealistically. (laughs) I think it is very possible to have hope in spite of a situation that's real Mm -hmm. instead of making the situation less real so that everything turns out in the end. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, yeah, I totally agree. (laughs) Now, are there any projects or or books you would like to update our listeners about? Well, I just had a book release in November, and it came out of a difficult time in my life, and it's called Soul Care When You're Grieving. And my Soul Care series of books are a series of books that are written for people in difficult circumstances. and the idea is that when we're in these really stressful times, we don't always have time to go deep and, and long. Um, we lost our daughter-in-law last year. She and our son had a three-month-old baby mm-hmm. when oh she God. passed away. And so there was, I had no urge to go to a Bible study. But I have to tell you, I needed God more than ever before. Mm -hmm. And so these books are are five chapters long. Each chapter has five prayers, five devotions, and five creative connection exercises. Basically things that you can actually do to sort of get yourself outside of the stress, in this case, the grief that you're feeling. Mm. and and sort of look up and and reconnect with God and strengthen that tie so that he can walk through you with you through this difficult time mm-hmm. I, I find that that book is is especially valuable now when so many people have lost loved ones due to the pandemic and so um, this is this is great timing for a book like this to come out so just, it yeah. It's so funny because it came out a year late. It was <laughs> it was supposed to come out the year before, but that was when we had lost our daughter-in-law. And I, I called my publisher and I said, we cannot release this book. I cannot, I, I can't do this. And mm. she was like, of course you can't do this. Mm. But she asked me to hold on to it. And she said, I know there will come a time and that God's timing will be perfect and it's not just a book that's written to people who have lost loved ones mm-hmm. i mean we've lost our whole way of life because mm-hmm. of the pandemic yes true and mm-hmm. so there's a lot of grief going on that is circumstantial mm-hmm. as well as relational right a lot of people lost um the fellowship they experience in church they have they have um but immune conditions where they can't return to the community of believers or some some people's churches haven't opened up you know so these are these are this is so good that it's open to also grieving like you said a way of life it could be grieving a career maybe you had a career change you know you could be grieving the loss of a friendship there are lots of things that we grieve without having death in our lives Yep, that is true. And then I have a new book coming out in the spring, which is part of uh, the Writer's Bookshelf series, which is a series of small books to help 
writers with the with their writing and publishing goals and this will be a book on blogging oh wow okay what's the name of it do you know yet um the working title is blogging for today's writer It's funny you should bring that up. What? Why do you think that uh, so many times in the industry you keep on hearing that blogging is is dead? It's going away. Don't bother. Well, the thing of it is, is blogging is not a one size fits all endeavor. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, it and is. <laughs> not every writer is called to have a personal blog that they write on regularly. Mm-hmm. And so I think that in in a way of saying you don't have to have that they say it's dead mm-hmm. and there's also the fact that when when blogging is done incorrectly when <laughs> when people don't know how to incorporate the tools of today like search engine optimization and those types of things right. then it can be a very frustrating endeavor mm-hmm. and it won't net results so okay. Yeah. But it is still very much alive. Mm-hmm. Um, people read blogs every day. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know I do. <laughs> well, how can our writing community make sure that they stay in touch with you? What are some ways we can connect? Well, I'm all over social media, and it's really nice because I'm the only Edie Melson on the internet. What? So I'm very easy to find. <laughs> I have I have Edie Melson on Facebook. I have Edie Melson on Twitter. I have Edie Melson on Instagram. Uh, my website is ediemelson.com. So really and truly, I am pretty darn easy to find on the internet. All you have to do is make sure that you spell the last name right. It is Melson, not Nelson. Funny yeah. story. I actually dated my husband for two weeks before I realized I was dating a Melson instead of a Nelson. <laughs> really? Oh really? Oh my goodness! So you thought you were going to be a Nelson, and you ended up being a Melson. Yep, that's right. It's, oh my goodness! Well, audience, I, I'm sorry that our time has come to a close, but I want to thank you for hanging out with Edie. Um, shows us how to find our voice and to live our story and um, I'm really hoping that she comes back to visit with us again and especially when her another her other book comes out and she can chat with us about um, blogging for today's writers with that I want to thank you for tuning in and I want you to continue to pierce through the darkness with the spoken and written word <laughs>